you know, mothers were told that children should be seen and not heard. Um, children were labelled as bold if they did anything that, um, you know, wasn't pleasing to the parents. You know, if if they continue to be bold, they might have been smacked. In Ireland specifically, they'd be threatened with the wooden spoon. Babies, when they're born, you know, parents are told your child is manipulating you. Um, you know, don't spoil your child. Don't pick them up. Leave them to cry. And so this might have happened to you, the mothers themselves and then they might have been doing that um, to their children too so what happened in the past is that people didn't really necessarily think about how they were parenting they just parented how their parents were parented good morning good afternoon good evening everyone you are listening to don't be afraid to talk podcast with james If you are listening for the first time, you are welcome. Talking and listening is key for growth and I hope our stories will bring us together and we can draw inspiration from each other. Conversation will include topics such as mental and physical health, trauma and its effect, suicidal thoughts, recovery and well-being. We will continue to raise awareness and offer a different perspective, a mindset or an idea that could inspire you to take charge of your well-being and to grow as a human being. Katrina has joined me today to discuss various topics such as mother wounds, parenting, depression, anxiety, stress and meditation. I hope you have an open mind and I hope you can learn something from this episode. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Thanks a million for having me, James. I'm really excited to talk about all of these things. We've got a lot ahead of us today. (laughs) Yes, we do. Don't know how long we'll be here for. um, If you don't mind, Katrina, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Well, I suppose first and foremost, I'm a mum of two girls. Um, and so that's my main passion in life. And then my second passion is psychology. And um, so I run the website comwithkatrina.com. And so what I do there is I provide free mental health resources um, for anyone who needs them. And so the main forum I use for that is writing articles in various different topics. And so um, some of the topics I'm going to speak about today, you'll actually find on my website too. So that's me in a nutshell. I suppose another passion of mine is art. And I also have a little Etsy shop and um, I make lots of mindful art um, so I kind of channel my um, my own kind of mental health um, uh, things through that and it's a lovely release for me. Keeps you busy. Oh, absolutely yeah. Yeah yeah <laughs> that's great. Before we get going we're just gonna play a little icebreaker I call it. <laughs> one hit me. <laughs> it's a show game it's called one one for one and mm-hmm. I'll give you a word And you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. The first thing. So less thinking. You ready to go? Yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Family. Love. Connection. Oh, family. (laughs) Children. Madness. (laughs) Mother. Mother wound because I'm I'm talking about that today. Rejection. Rejection. Oh, painful. Time. 
time, not enough of it. Simple, that was easy. <laughs> oh, very good. You know, the psychologists would be all over that now because the first thing that comes to mind, you know, is kind of popping out of the unconscious there. So um, I'll have to listen back on that now myself. <laughs> Remember what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I learned something. We get going on our conversation today. Lovely. First, we're just going to hit on a topic that's called mother wound, a word that I only discovered just over two weeks ago. And I spent a lot of time trying to read up on it. So I hope you can give us some clarity on that. Absolutely. So just get going. What is mother wound? Mother wound. So this is an absolutely huge topic. So um, I think you could be reading about this for a very long time. The first time I heard about the word mother wound was on social media. And there's loads of accounts dedicated to to this topic. And so there's loads of posts. And if you dig into the posts and the captions and the comments, what you hear is a large group of people talking about this gap that they felt, this feeling of being under mothered. And so for them, um, it's it they're, they're they've named it mother wound which is wonderful because in psychology it's great to name something because as soon as you name it you're noticing it and that is the first step towards healing and so to give you an idea of how the mother wound presents with people and um, this is kind of what a lot of people are kind of saying so if you had a mother who you felt that their love was conditional maybe you felt unloved or unloved um not as much as your siblings you never felt accepted you always needed to have her approval you found it difficult to relate to her emotionally maybe you felt that she wasn't supportive um, you had to be the parent in the relationship um, and be her confidant when you were the child she mightn't have respected your boundaries and um, this unrelenting feeling of that you have to be loyal at all costs and that cost could be to your mental health could be to your physical health that your mother is number one and so and um, that's huge. The list also, this is not an exhaustive list. So there's lots of other um, things on that list. And I think basically it's for anybody who felt that there was a gap in their relationship with their mother. And um, if you feel there was a gap, then um, that would be labeled as a mother wound. And so I think it's important before we go into this in more detail that this isn't about yeah. judging our mothers. And so um, we're not kind of coming in here going, our mother's awful, um, but actually it's more to look at it through a lens of compassion and understand maybe why our mothers were like this. And it's not to excuse their behavior either because mothers of course are accountable um, to to their children and they, they need to be the caregivers, but sometimes understanding it and, and feeling a sense of compassion can help you yourself in healing. Um, and then maybe you might want to do additional things then to sort of close that wound. It's not something that you have to live with is what I would say. There's lots of support out there. Um, and so that's, I suppose, the gist of it. Um, from a psychology point of view, um, I wouldn't label it as mother wound, but I would look at it as an attachment wound. And so I think stereotypically, most people would be familiar with psychology. They think of Freud and they think of, you know, it's always your mother. Um, and there is, you know, some truth to that. And it's really that what we would look for um, when you are an infant is that you form a secure attachment to your primary caregiver. And in society, in most cases in the past, that would be your mother. And um, things are changing now, so it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. But a lot of the, the research in that area relates to the relationship with the mother. 
And so if you have this attachment, it's a secure attachment. It can help you then in um, how you relate to the world, your future relationships and, and just a feeling of being whole. And so if you don't have that sense of attachment, you can have this gap. And this is where the mother wound comes in, if that makes sense. So would you say from an adult's point of view, how an adult is shaped stems from from that? Yeah, so how you're treated as a child early on. Um, so all of the research um, relating to attachment points to if you have that at least one good primary caregiver and um, that gave you the love that you needed early on that sets you up for life and so it's not that you can't um you know you can't be a wonderful whole human being if you don't have that but you'd have to work harder if you if you if you don't get that start in life and so um yeah and this is why a lot of people now you see them you know in their 40s and 50s talking about you know, feeling that mother wound. Um, and obviously the mother might continue to to act like that. So it isn't just how they act towards you in childhood, but also into later life. So through your teenagers and into adult adulthood as well. And from an adult point of view, say someone is in their 30s or 40s or whatever, and um, which yeah. ways can that show up on someone? Because I don't think anyone likes to think that they have those, not neglection, but yeah, yeah, well, I think I suppose if you kind of look at what I mentioned, so sometimes that feeling of not being good enough and, um, you know, kind of not being able to be loved for just who you are, but maybe you have to always do things. So maybe you are constantly people pleasing and doing things for other people because you can't just be yourself. There's lots of different ways that it shows up. Um, and yeah, so it's very individual to the person, I would say. Um, but it's if, if you find yourself struggling with certain things in life, you could look back to maybe what your relationship was like um, with with your with your caregivers and just kind of think about could that maybe have, in, have had an impact on, on how I'm seeing the world now? Because a lot of the time how we respond to the world today is often through the lens of the past. And so um, getting aware of, you know, how you were treated in the past can can give you new insights to how you relate to yeah, the world today, yeah. if that makes sense. And would you say from yeah. the modest point of view, they're obviously reacting from their own ones from their own mother. Exactly. So actually what I was going to mention was, so if you go back to our mother's generation, I'm going to kind of mention the Irish context specifically, but some of this is applicable you know, kind of around the world, especially those Western, Western kind of ways of parenting specifically. Um, so, you know, mothers were told the children should be seen and not heard. Um, children were labelled as bold if they did anything that, um, you know, wasn't pleasing to the parents. Um, you know, if if they continue to be bold, they might have been smacked. In Ireland specifically, they'd be threatened with the wooden spoon. Um, babies, when they're born, you know, parents are told your child is manipulating you. Um, you know, don't spoil your child. Don't pick them up. Leave them to cry. And so this might have happened to you, the mothers themselves, and then they might have been doing that um, to their children too. So what happened in the past is that people didn't really necessarily think about how they were parenting. They just parented how their parents were parented. Whereas now we've started to think about 
um, and make conscious decisions of when you become a parent, what type of parent do I want to be? How am I approaching this? And we have much more resources now, too. So we've got the Internet. We've got books. You know, we can listen to podcasts. We can mm. do lots of things that just weren't available to parents back in the past. And specifically for mothers in Ireland, the patriarchy um, plays a huge role in, in shaping mothers. And if you look at the likes of how single mothers were treated in mother and baby homes, um, mothers in the past couldn't get contraception. They weren't allowed abortions. They couldn't get divorced. Um, if civil servants had to leave their job once they got married, um, it wasn't OK to be gay. There was huge racism in society and a huge stigma around mental health. So all of these things are not helpful in helping you become um an amazing caregiver that's a lot of pain a lot of trauma on a generation of people so when I say kind of to look at um, this through a lens of compassion this is what I'm talking mm. about there's, a, there's an awful lot of pressure on previous generations um, and and yeah people just didn't have a voice in the way that maybe they have today it's not perfect we've loads of work to do but um, that generation and generations before that had a very difficult yeah. time it's and, a knock-on yeah. effect from previous generation I and think so. if you don't deal with it if you like if you don't process those wounds most likely your yeah. children will pick them up yeah. if you like exactly and I think the good thing now is that people are starting to think about this and notice these things and so um I, a lot of parents nowadays where if say for example if they have a mother wound or they have another type of trauma that they're aware of um and they're worried about passing it down onto their children um, the one thing I'd say is that the fact that they're thinking about it is a very good sign because the likelihood of them passing it on in exactly the same way is much lesser as a result. Yeah. And usually those people, um, you know, are the ones that are really working to break the cycle. So they are doing, you know, an amazing job in, in even kind of getting to that place because that cycle might have continued for generations to generations. And it's huge. And it's something we don't see people carry this weight around with them. Um, and we don't see it on them, you know. Um, so uh, I think that's why the compassion lens is yeah. really important. So this can still operate as someone that's obviously left the parents' home and someone in the 40s living a separate life to their parents. They can still suffer from these wounds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if the wound is there and they have that feeling, um, you know, if, if if you don't, if you ignore something, it just, it you know, it stays there and it doesn't go doesn't away. Go away. Exactly. And now we know that. Um, so if we're talking about kind of traumatic wounds specifically, those things live in the mind and they live in the body. And the body is something that has been hugely ignored um, up until, say, the last 40 years. Now we know that it lives in both the body and the mind. And you need to look at both of those things. So even say if I was reading that list of the mother wound, you can have a reaction like, say, somewhere in your body. You know, you might feel it in your stomach, you know, and um, that can tell you maybe there is a little bit bit of um yeah kind of a, a wound in there that maybe you want to think about yeah yes if you're processing something for a long period of time and you're in your 30s or 40s 50s even it sounds yeah. like a lot of work to be done yeah yeah <laughs> It is a lot of work to be done. That's it. And I'd say don't let that put you off. So if you're if you're kind of realizing this now, um, you know, there's no better time to start than now. And it's just to to recognize that, yes, if you're healing um, a, a wound that's been with you for a long time and if it's a very big wound, it takes time. So, again, put the compassion lens on yourself. Know that. Um, you've been carrying this for a long time and well done to you because you've functioned and you've survived 
in that 40, 50 years to get here and now you've realized it. Um, and then maybe it's something good that you can do for yourself because you deserve it. You know, no one deserves mm. to be carrying around a wound that especially one that wasn't, you know, no one deserves that wound and it doesn't necessarily, you know, it, it shouldn't make up who they are. So definitely if you're thinking about um, your healing journey, um, like I said, no better time than today. Yeah, you mentioned that healing journey. Yeah. It's, it's a journey rather than a quick fix or let me do this for three months or 21 days. Exactly. So a lifetime of um, a lifetime of anything, um, you know, is not going to be solved in a few weeks. So um, just know that both things can get better, you know, a few weeks of, yeah. um, of any type of support. So whatever, whatever it looks like to you, it could be just talking to friends. It could be, you know, going for a more formal um help via therapist something like that and um, anything that you do will mean that you're in a better place than um, than you were maybe before you before you started it but the journey isn't um an easy one um you know it, it it's called work for a reason and um, but it's very much worth it just mm, mm. while we're speaking about parenting there there's a lot of uh we put more attention on the physical if you like as in like you'd often judge we shouldn't be judging parents, but you often would judge parents based on how the kids behave or how you see the kids behave. And in that sense, so in, one, in yeah. one way, we're not really focused on the quality of the relationship they have with a child. We're more focused on what we can see. So yeah. is there such thing as a good parent? I think so. And what probably what I'd say is rather than say good parent, I'd say good enough parent, um, you know, so it's not. Yeah. definitely you don't have to be perfect so you just have to be good enough and a good parent um you know loses their temper a good parent messes up and so it's it's not that you're this perfect robotic computer of a parent you know we're human so um it's what you do in, in that so if your parent sees or if your child sees that you've messed up or you've hurt their feelings you know and you actually say sorry for that you say listen I lost the head I'm feeling very tired I've had a long day in work and I snapped at you and actually if I could do it again this is what I would have done can we start again um and and having that open communication with children um versus just being the you know the authority and just kind of going like listen get up to bed now you know go go to sleep i'm i'm sick of you you know there's mm. there's just there's alternative ways to do things and um even things like um you know parents maybe they have a fight you know and the kids hear it um rather than just kind of like hush hush just kind of bring the child in and say if you raised voices you know what actually you know mommy maybe i should have not raise my voice if I could do it again maybe we could do this and um and just let them see you know you talking through conflict in a healthy way and knowing that you know uh conflict can be resolved and you don't have to run away and and, and things like that so if they if they see modeling of good behavior um there's a lesson in everything and of course then everyone has their good days um and kids remember that and they give you the benefit of the doubt and you should give your kids the benefit of the doubt too because kids are impacted in the same way we are. And if anything, um, children are learning how to, they're learning what their emotions are, they, they're they learning what the, what they feel like. And so a lot of the time emotions can become overwhelming for children. And so if you see that's at a parent in the supermarket and the child is down on the floor screaming their head off, 
they might have spent the whole day in childcare and they're exhausted and just want to get home to bed and they're hungry. Um, and so you can make a split judgment on that parent. And, you know, actually it's, it's literally just that moment. And, um, I think when you become a parent, um, you realize the, just the, the day to day challenges and actually again, put the compassionate lens on and it can be anybody like nobody's perfect and with enough pressure on anybody, you know, the, the lid can kind of come off and you can end up like, you know, not having a, having a great response. Um, I know the days you might. Yeah. In relation to modeling that the culture we're living of living in of uh, not enough, if you like. Yeah. So ev- everyone's trying to paint a picture of having it all together. Yeah. So how, how important is it to, for parents like to show, to model the behavior of, a normal person that goes through ups and downs and yeah instead of just trying to look like someone that has it together absolutely because nobody has it all together and i think it's very important for children to realize that you know because if they don't and um, they they will go through a moment where they feel like you know oh god i don't have it all together and if they think everyone else does that's gonna you know do them harm so if they see you know that it the normal day-to-day ups and downs and um and you communicate that to the child in an age appropriate way so I think it's important as well that you know you you think about how much you're sharing with them and and the way that you share it with them and so it, it goes down to um you know how old they are and and always mm. think about so if we go back say to the mother wound um people get these wounds because maybe their parent was oversharing things um so things that you know that a child shouldn't be you know kind of having to to listen to but there's ways to model um those type of things in an age appropriate way so it's just being aware of that um and so you're kind of i suppose to go to the idea of mindfulness you um you are you are acting in your in your life but then there's also you're observing as well so you're kind of noticing then how you're speaking to your children and and kind of having that awareness can help you so you're not an autopilot you're consciously thinking about how you're um how you're describing things to your child and you can take a step back then and go actually am I doing this too much or am I overstepping a boundary as well um but again don't put too much pressure on yourself you might you know again you mightn't do it perfectly every day but it's just like I said back to the good enough parent and so once you do it most of the time you know as good as you can um, and that's all you need yeah because there's a lot there's a lot of uh, external pressures if not more now than ever before exactly and you can go on to social media and you can go on to instagram and there's so many perfect parents there and you can come off social media and feel absolutely awful but that's the highlight reel um you know and um you don't see what happens off stories and and things like that so just remember that um you don't see the full picture with anybody you know i'm sitting here i'm fully dressed this morning you know i was in my jammies breakfast in my hair trying to get kids out to their summer camp you know so we all have our moments and I think that's important to you know to be mindful of that yeah and if you come home from work if you're like and you obviously yeah. want to do a good job but you're just so overwhelmed with stress from work yeah it's that where the self-judgment comes in where people start thinking oh I'm not doing a good enough job yeah and there can be a lot of shoulds in people's heads and so if you flip the I should be doing this, but I could be doing this. That can sometimes help. And so if you say I could, that can give you lots of different options. So Mm. one one thing can be I get home from work and I have to keep working because I have just too much pressure on me. Another thing could be 
I get home from work and I will do 10 minutes of playtime with the kids and then maybe I need to disappear and finish my work. But another day I'm going to do more time. And also the it's quality time over quantity. And so the research shows that too. Um, so sometimes 10 to 15 minutes um, of like getting down on, the, on at eye level. We're talking about if we're talking about younger kids down at eye level, talking to them, asking them how the day was playing with them. But you don't have to be playing with them for eight hours a day to get the same mm. impact. And so we often look at what we're not doing, um, but we should look at what we are doing and um and most of the time, if you are making yourself feel bad about that, you are very much likely to be doing enough as it is. And you're also going to work and you're earning a living to help, um, you know, your family, um, you know, have a house, have food. And so all of those things, um, you know, are, are things that are needed and, um, and children recognize as well. Yeah, I think with children, you mentioned that the quality, not the quantity. So exactly. they, they want a parent that's present with them exactly and if you think of even children's memories you know they don't remember every single moment of their entire lives but they will remember these lovely moments in their lives so your 10 minutes a day and that you're like oh I'm, I'm not doing enough that might be what they remember as oh my god my dad was amazing we always played together and they think of those days and so you're giving yourself such a hard time for no reason it's not helping anyone no I just want to touch on anxiety on children. Yeah. Obviously, how adults and children experience anxiety is different. It is. In terms of physical anxiety and emotional anxiety and behavior anxiety, from children's point of view, like what kind of things can we look at for to identify if your child's going through stress? Definitely. And I think, first of all, um, kind of if you look at anxiety ultimately what it is is, is fear so you're, the child is afraid of something and that can be helpful to kind of use a different word sometimes because sometimes anxiety can have like a sort of medical kind of label yeah. um and it can feel a bit scary so if you just kind of think of the child as okay they're afraid of something what is it um whatever it is if we're talking about anxiety or even if we're talking about other things um we're looking for changes so it can be changes in in the child's behavior it can be changes in um you know so you said physical physical things that have changed or behavioral things that have changed so even if you don't remember the things that i mentioned now um, just be looking for those things and it's really important to really just be tuned into your child and know what normal is for them because normal is different for every child and so you will notice as a parent something's off and so if we're kind of looking at physical things um for children it can be things like wanting to go to the toilet much more often um you know because their bladder is just like they're you know they're just got that nervous energy and they're just wanting to kind of go to the toilet it could um come through in bedwetting um and um especially at, in the night time and so um that, that can be for other reasons too, but um, if you see bedwetting, um, rule out the medical, it could be UTI or something, but then think about, you know, are they afraid of something, there's something bothering them. Um, but they also might have other things in their body that you spot. So things like um, ticks, you know, can just be like little movements in their heads or like winking kind of more. Um, tapping their feet, tapping their hands, and you just kind of see them. Um, if they if they normally don't do that, and you spot anything like that, that could be that could be a sign that they're feeling a little bit um, fearful of something. One thing specifically about bedwetting, which is important, is um, 
never make a big deal about it. And for any, for actually any of these things, um, you can notice them and you can explore the reasons for them, but never be like, oh my God, you're after wet in the bed. What? What's going on? And um, because that can end up leaving them with a sense of shame as well. So, you know, just treat it as this has happened. Totally fine. Let's look at why. Um, that can ease the symptoms, especially for a child who's already afraid of something. You don't want to compound that further. Um, if we look at emotional things, so again, just changes. So changes in mood. And when you mentioned things being different between adults and um, children, one thing that adults can miss is if a child is really angry, really frustrated, acting out, they can miss that as, as signs of anxiety. So they might okay. kind of look at the anger and start disciplining them and kind of going you're out of order you know you you threw this at your sister you've been slamming doors and this is not on not acceptable and that can shut down the child communicating any further so if you kind of look at with children um behaviors and anything like that and um, so it's a message so because they they don't necessarily have the words in the way we do as adults to express themselves and they don't necessarily understand how they're feeling and um, so it's really just like a ball of emotion and they are just acting out and um, so that can be really helpful if you shut that behavior down you might not see it and so then you can miss their anxiety um other things um, would be more traditional things that you might find. Um, so you kind of see your child constantly worrying or ruminating about things like they could be really worried about a test in school or just worried about kind of going into school and things like that yeah. um, and just crying, crying more often. Um, and cry. of course, all of these things can be other things, too. So it's just sort of noticing, um, you know, that there's something different here and it could be fear. It could be something else. Um, then behavioral things. So again, anything outside the norm. So children often don't sleep. Um, but if your child is waking more than normal, um, that can be a sign that maybe something's up, especially if they're kind of saying things like I'm having bad dreams and yeah. um, maybe they're getting up a little bit later and having difficulty getting to sleep as well. That can be a sign that something's on their mind. Um, changes in their eating behavior. So if they're suddenly eating loads, and they normally don't have a big appetite or vice versa. They're not hungry. That can also be a sign of anxiety and it's a good one to look for because kids love eating. Most of the time you're constantly handing out snacks. So yeah, and um, that that's, might be the first thing that you notice with kids. Um, and then things just like more clingy, restless um, and avoiding any type of activity, then that can be a sign. So um, and even things like, oh, I've got a pain in my tummy um, and you might look to like, oh, OK, let's bring it to the doctor. Let's do this. But just consider anxiety then or fear in, in the back there. Maybe there's something there that's kind of driving the yeah. tummy pain. Yeah. So there's lots of lots of things there. Um, and again, it's not exhaustive. Every child is different. So you again, just looking at differences in, in your own understanding child is, is the key. yeah yeah so like for them if they they obviously don't have the words yeah to describe how to feel even adults don't have the words to describe how to feel most of the time yeah exactly. yeah so for children they might lash out and yeah instead of discipline them as in like stop it like shouting at them if you like yeah is it a case of trying to understand what's causing that behavior like if they do it two or three times, obviously something is causing that behavior. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's sort of striking the balance as well, because like there is certain boundaries where like, you know, you, you, you can't just let a child like, you know, physically hurt 
somebody yeah. either. And um, so there can be some things that, you know, hey, listen, um, you, like we have a thing called family rules in our house. And if somebody's sort of going outside the family rules and say, hey, I just want to understand what's going on here. I see that you've, you know, hit your sister. And um, that's that's not in the family rules. Um, but listen, normally you don't hit your sister, what's going on? Help me to understand. And and then just um, kind of ask them questions. And, and you can do things like, sometimes when I feel this way, I do this. Is this what's happening with you? So don't tell them what it is because um, sometimes they lash out more. So if you tell them, oh, you are anxious, they'll be like, no, I'm not. And they will kind of go off and you can be wrong as well. So um, they mightn't be anxious. It could be something else. So just yeah. kind of keep the questions open and um, help them to name their emotions, so especially younger children. You might just need to go to the basics of, um, you know, you sound really angry. Um, and, you know, I see you thumping, you know, punching pillows. Um, I sometimes people do that when they're angry. Is that how you feel? Um, and then they'll that you'll see them slowly learn. So it's kind of even if it doesn't go perfect when you do yeah. have this conversation, five conversations later, you're going to see them start to use the, the language that you've been using with them. And their go to then mightn't be to punch or whatever it is that they're doing, their go-to might then suddenly be to communicate with you because you've taught them how to do that and they know it's safe to do that. Yeah. Then you're not going to shut them down and you're not going to punish them for, you know, being honest about how they feel. So in the learning phase, then it's it's more important to kind of get them, get the information out of them so they understand it for themselves instead of you telling them. Yeah, don't, exactly. Because you can tell them and you might get it wrong. And um, so it's really just asking questions it's like like even with adults, you know, yeah. if I tell you um, you are really stressed today, James. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, no, you might be stressed after I asked you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. What do you mean? I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then then I will miss the opportunity to figure out what is actually going on because I've sort of broke the circuit there where we've kind of connected, you know, so yeah. um, just being understanding, you know, um, and just that safe space where they can talk. Just in relation to adult yeah. coping with their own stress, yeah. how an, an adult person, sorry, who's stressful, and first of all, sorry, what is stress? Because there's a number of ways a person can be stressed. There's like a short-term stress, there's a long-term stress, which yeah. is more dangerous. So yeah. what is stress? Like what's happening when a person is feeling stressful? Yeah. So I suppose stress, there's sort of a physiological response happening when you when you go through stress and the stress can be anything. It's all relative to my experience of stress can be different to your experience of stress, but it's something that has um, kind of knocked you out of whack. So normally we are in this state of what we call homeostasis, which is balance. And so, so for example, us with the podcast today, naturally we would feel a little bit stressed in advance of going into this. And a little bit of stress is good because that was that was me earlier on. Yeah. Exactly. I, was, I <laughs> yeah. was the same. And that's totally normal. So if you're doing anything, you're doing a presentation in work, you're, you know, about to do an exam, you're going to feel this little bit of stress. And what happens then is that your body's sympathetic nervous system that the part of your nervous system that's ready for action is activated totally normal when we finish the podcast we'll go and have our dinner we'll go back to normal and we feel good back into the state of balance and if something happens so we experience just something that makes us sad day to day um, our parasympathetic nervous system is activated and that can make us feel a bit sluggish it can make us feel a little bit down and but usually we go back to normal as well and so stress then 
regular stress is fine and we we naturally go through those um processes but what happens is then if you have chronic stress um or or a life event that takes you by surprise that can um, knock your system out of whack and that's where then you can end up um kind of maybe in your sympathetic is activated much more and this is where you might be in a, a state of anxiety all the time so you're just like constantly kind of like um feeling on edge and highly active yeah you can't sleep um or maybe you experience a loss and get death or whatever and and then your parasympathetic is one the one that's more activated and then you just find it really hard to get out of bed and everything is an effort putting on your clothes is an effort and so anywhere you find it difficult to just get back into that normal state and you know something's off um this is where maybe you need to kind of um, do something about the stress um but there are things that you can do anyway before that ever happens if you put them into practice when something really stressful or traumatic on the other kind of extreme um happens you sort of have a toolkit to look after yourself um and this is like the ultimate self-care so you're practicing these things now so that you have the tools um if if you need them in the future of course who knows what's going to happen and you can't have all the tools but it just having a little yeah. bit and um, practice and experience with some of these things will help you and um, stay then in that kind of balanced state for for longer that would be the ideal if, if that makes sense so if you can practice on little things <laughs> Yeah, little things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and when you practice, those things become automatic, and um, so they kick in, um, you know, kind of without you realizing, because stress is an automatic, um, response too. So you have you have no choice really how your body responds. Um, there's there's different stress responses that come out, and especially if it's something, um that um, takes you by surprise. You can go into, you're probably familiar with fight or flight and there yeah. are other stress responses too. But um, yeah, kind of knowing then what to do to kind of get yourself back down to feeling good um, then um, is very beneficial overall for you. Can you just please explain what is stress first aid? What is that? Stress first aid. So this is actually, yeah, these, these are the things that you can do then, I suppose, first of all, to recognize if you are in, a state of stress and then where you recognize those things then there are things that you can do then to reduce the stress and it's also recognizing some of the risk factors too and so for example in work um, you might notice that okay if if I am not prepared for the meeting on Friday I get really stressed and I can't sleep and it actually impacts my weekend as well because I'm kind of coming down from you know the stress Um, you can do something maybe to remove some of those risk factors and that can be like preparing a little bit more and um, relaxing a bit more and actually probably what I'll mention is um, so I use the acronym take your meds and if you do this um if you do this regularly, they can help you in all areas of stress. And this would be part of your stress first aid, if this makes sense. Yeah. So when I talk about take your meds, I'm talking about um, meditation, exercise, diet and sleep. And so I can go into those in a little bit of detail if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we definitely talk about that. And what is some of the healthier ways to reduce stress? Like if, if you're constantly stressed, obviously something is not right. Yeah, yeah. 
So I suppose this is kind of getting into the awareness. So you've noticed that something is off. So noticing is the first step into making some changes. Um, and then you need to kind of go, okay, I actually do need to make some changes. And it can be big changes. It can be small changes. Sometimes small changes yeah. can help. And it's individual to each person what those changes might be. Um, it could be maybe if if they're in a job and they're constantly like they hate it, they don't like the environment, they, you know, they find it really toxic. Maybe it's making a, a bigger change like moving jobs or maybe it's um, making some adjustments and maybe talking to somebody like your manager or talking to HR, things like that. Um, so if you sort of are in the driving seat, um, having that control can also help you um, reduce your stress too. If you feel like you're powerless that can that can you know not not do good things for for your stress levels too so i think first of all just always be reflecting on things and it could even be as simple as keeping a regular journal and where you feel stressed just write it down um ignore you know the the formatting and the the grammar and all of that and just get it all out all the stresses out put the date and just keep an eye on and just see if there's patterns there and it could be completely not even relating to work it could be something else so just um keeping keeping a, a physical record can help too there's loads of different things that you can do um to reduce your stress um and yeah and and if you're struggling then to kind of find answers then it could be just looking at what supports are available to you um you know in your life and um, so it can be talking to other people um you know and depending what type of stress it is or maybe you want um just to work with someone like a life yeah. coach or something there's lots of ways to um to reduce the stress and you just don't you don't have to suffer yeah I, I do you mentioned journaling there i do that quite a bit myself yeah i think if the if, yeah. if the if I put it on paper, like for me, I think if I put it on paper, it comes out of my head. Absolutely. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And you can sometimes put a timer on it as well. And you can say, OK, I'm going to get all my stress out, but I'm only giving myself 15 minutes. And after that, I'm parking the worry and I'm going to focus on something yeah. else. And so sometimes that can be enough um, because you can end up letting it take over. Um, and, and then that can impact other areas of your life. Whereas if you just kind of control it a little bit give it give it time because you can't ignore it but just give it a give it its time and then go okay that time is done now i'm going to look at something else for a little while yeah it can be very good and another thing you mentioned that environment that obviously plays a huge part of yeah our well-being if you like and our stresses if you're in a wrong environment you could find yourself more stressed than being in a separate yeah. environment mm -hmm. this in relation to being in touch with nature because i think yeah yeah some people find that calming if you like is that something that you recommend as well 100 percent, absolutely and so the environment is huge and for some people um in particular yeah if, you, if you're kind of a more sensitive um, person or you're hugely empathic um actually getting away into nature but really for everybody there, there's a lot of research backing up that getting into nature helps and so it can be your local park and um, but the research shows um things like getting into the actual forest um and you know being surrounded by trees there's something that mm. happens when you're in environments like that and um you know the, the trees release um certain things and you know you, the smells and everything are different so um there's a lot of research there i do actually on my website have a 
um, resources there that goes through all of the research and things that you can do. Um, but this is practiced all around the world. So Japan is probably the most well known um, for forest bathing. Um, and they definitely have set the standard in, in, in terms of, of doing that. Aside from forests, um, getting out into um, to the beaches is wonderful as well. I'm a big sea swimmer um, and, and that does a couple of things. Um, so again, you have sort of the nature boost. Um, but if you actually get into the water and um, the cold water, in Ireland is actually beneficial if you can brave it in that if you're, <laughs> yeah, if you're in, yeah yeah if you're in a if you're in a state of stress um when you get into the cold water it kind of basically shocks the nervous system into sort of like a reset and so it can kind of take you out of um maybe like kind of where you were at there and it just has a naturally calming effect on the system because you're really being held by this body of water the motion of the waves it's very like meditative um feeling and so there's many many benefits and um, so really kind of the outdoors and just disconnected from technology um and and that's it just kind of doing your thing absolutely i'd really really recommend that if you could do one thing it's free um and it's it's a lovely thing to do get out in nature and you don't you don't even have to have anything for that you just have to yeah get out for a walk and yeah put your put your phone away maybe yeah exactly. <laughs> after you take That's your pictures you even leave the yeah exactly leave the phone at home if you want to or just put it on like airplane mode and, and only use it for taking photos if you want but even just you know just take in the moment and don't bother about photographs just like taking all the sights and the sounds yeah and and yeah. with a cold cold sea as well that's more of it's the shock to your body that's kind of yeah yeah what you don't have time to think when that happens (laughs) oh and actually because like when you go in the first when you dunk into the water you take this massive big breath of air um and that is hugely like beneficial and because often we struggle to take a proper breath and if for anyone who's new to doing breath work often um we're not breathing we're breathing sort of in the top of our chest we're not be breathing into our belly and that you have to train yourself in, in terms of how to breathe in a way that's helpful and so the sea does that naturally for you because you're just going to take the biggest breath of your life and um everything about it then afterwards you're going to be flying um for the whole day i actually had a sea swim today and i i'm 100 feeling that way yeah fantastic yeah. i think i'll stick to my cold shower for the moment and that's the thing actually cold showers have the very same um, impact if we're just talking specifically about that so if in the morning you're getting up and you're kind of feeling stressed about work that can be actually quite a good thing to do is to just go on and literally get under the cold shower because for for even those few seconds you're not going to be thinking about work you're going to be like oh my god <laughs> um, get me out ex- bad idea <laughs> exactly and you can cool it right down or you can start with a warm shower and then start to to make it cold as well so any of those little things do help and it's just going to get you breathing and when you're breathing nice and calm steadily um, that helps because the oxygen goes to your brain gives you a little bit of a boost and so there is science behind it to, as to why it makes you feel good yeah no go straight in turn it into cold yeah, Jump go, in. yeah, go. yeah, might actually, as well. <laughs> on the other side of things, so there is actually some research showing that. So if you have a bath um, kind of one to two hours before you go to bed, if you're lucky enough to have a bath um, specifically at 37 degrees, um, that is supposed to help give you one or two hours extra sleep. So if you want to try that, um, if you happen to have a bath, um, that can be really good. A cold, cold bath? No, no, a warm bath, 37 oh, okay, degrees. Jesus, yeah. yeah no, 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 if you have a cold bath, you're, you're not going to no. sleep. You're going to be shivering. 
No, no, not that. <laughs> in, in relation to breathing, it's associated with, with meditation. Yeah. First of all, what meditation is one of those, I think anyway, one of the best things we can do, but mm-hmm. it's also one of the yeah. things that people, no one knows what to do. So what's your take on meditation? I'm guessing there's no like, oh, try this, this worked for me, so it will work for you. Yeah. The, the thing is with meditation, I think sometimes people can feel like it's not accessible to them because they, there's this sort of like vision of what meditation is. And it's sort of like sitting on the side of a mountain for hours and having all the yeah. time in the world. A, a yogi under a um, tree. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so that's really difficult um, because I, I definitely can't do that. And no, no one has the time to do that. And you, that's not the expectation. And so meditation can be something as simple as um, when you wake up in the morning, giving yourself five minutes to arrive into the day. So rather than just being awoke by the alarm clock and jumping up and you're suddenly got kids all around you and you're just trying to, you know, get out of the house and all of that stuff. It can be just making that time five minutes and it can be just as simple as how was my breath when I wake up and naturally just listening to the breath you know is it fast is it slow and then thinking about how your body is as well so checking in so sometimes if you've not had a good night's sleep you can be quite stiff in the shoulders and the neck and you could be tensing a lot your jaw could be stiff so all of those things give you information that can help set you up for the day because maybe you could decide then later on actually I'm going to do a little bit to kind of help that or maybe you'll just you know hold yourself in a different way um but giving yourself that time means that you're not starting the day in a in a in a highly activated way so starting already stressed um because you've plenty of time to be stressed so don't don't yeah. give the first <laughs> of your day you know don't let that be a stressful time yeah the day will um, stress you out anyway exactly and so then if you want to build on that there's lots of ways you can do it and i'd say try and build it into your your day so if you're working in an, in an office or if you're working from home it can be just scheduling in regular breaks where you just take some time to you know to again focus in on the breathing maybe you want to add to it so maybe you want to kind of say like breathe in for four breaths and out for a bit longer. There's many different types of breathing exercises. And so I'd say start little by little and you can build it up. And there's lots of resources um, online that you can you can find um, and, and, and that can help you. So rather than putting all this pressure to do it perfectly, do do your good enough version of, of meditating as well and build it up. And if you find that you like it, and um, brilliant. And another thing actually is that you don't have to be sitting still to meditate. So there is actually some research that shows that say the reason why the likes of exercise works is because it is meditation of a sort. And that say, for example, you're running, you're running at a certain pace, you're breathing at a certain pace, um, and just mm. the repetitive nature of of different types of exercise, if it's lifting weights, if it's cycling, if it's swimming, if it's walking, it's running, you're doing all of those things. And so you're doing it for a period of time. Your your mind is clear because you're focusing only on that time. On what? Exactly. So if you're somebody who maybe is um, feeling very stressed and you've got loads of extra energy, maybe sitting still, you might be too twitchy to do that. But getting out and moving can actually help release that energy and get you focused as well. And maybe you end it with something like a more traditional meditation and um, so that can be very helpful as well so it's not one size fits all it's whatever your lifestyle is like and thinking how you can fit it in um into the life that you have yeah so you don't have to wait until the end of the day to meditate you can do it 
Yeah, exactly. during your break time. Exactly. And to build on to the idea of mindfulness as well. So even like say myself and yourself are here talking away, like if you build in a sense of awareness in your meditation practice, really that is, is just kind of you speaking, but also you as an observer. So you can be kind of thinking. So now I'm thinking, am I speaking too fast? What's my breath like, <laughs> you know, and yeah, and that can slow you down. So even if you are in the middle of a work presentation and you're like, going really fast and you're like oh this is going really bad just take literally one second to notice that and that can actually kind of bring you back down bring again it, yeah and it can help you then so you're sort of doing it as you go and all of those things add up uh, to wellness and so it's not not that one thing is going to help there's lots of different things that you can do yeah with meditation as well what most people say is i can't switch my mind off i don't, I don't think the purpose of it is to switch the mind off is oh. it oh no. And it, again, it's noticing. So if, if you are doing a traditional meditation where you're sitting there and you're breathing and thoughts keep popping into your head, just notice them. And you can even just kind of have this dialogue saying, you know, I recognize you're there right now. I'm meditating and just kind of keep doing that, you know, and um, and it's OK. At, at the beginning, you're going to have thoughts pop in. Like, I think, you know, you'd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the start, it's like. Exactly. Exactly. What's going on? And it depends as well. Like completely day. You can have one one week of, oh, God, I'm doing amazing now. No thoughts pop into my head. And then next week, it's all back to the beginning. And I think if you meet yourself where you are in your practice, you know, when when you're um, when you're practicing this, there's no there's no judgment. It's all compassion. And it's just awareness of where you're at. And there's sometimes in your life where you're going to feel more stressed. And there's sometimes in your life where everything's going really well. It's up and down. Luckily, um, the downs don't last, um, the ups come back, and it's just that cycle. Yeah, so if you have one bad day or bad week, you yeah. can just pick up again, because I think yeah, if you have a very bad week, come Monday, if you're like, someone might be like, oh, I don't yeah. want to do this. It didn't work last yeah. week. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's more of a case of trying it again, if you like. Exactly, exactly. And just being kind to yourself, because if you can't be kind to yourself, like, you know, the way who else is going to be kind? Yeah. You need to rely on yourself at least to be looking after yourself and um, get rid of the shoulds. I should be having having a clearer mind. So one of the options is I could have a clearer mind. Another is I could have thoughts popping in and out um, and that's OK. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll work through it and, and do my best. Yeah, there is meditation for children as well, isn't it? Yeah, there is. And um, yeah, so children are naturally just much more, um, you know, kind of energetic. And so um, a lot of the mindfulness um, practices for children um, are much more playful and they bring in lots of different elements. And sometimes it can be physical things as well. So them making things like mindfulness jars and and kind of helping educate them, I suppose, um, in terms of um kind of, yeah, exactly kind of what's going on and what are these thoughts? Because for them, whatever about us trying to get rid of thoughts popping in there no that's that is their life you know so it's sort of an educational piece as well and and definitely um but if if you're into meditation it can be nice to practice with your children as well it it, i can guarantee it won't go um to plan 
yeah, it, it'll be all over the place, but it is lovely, you know, and, and that can be very calming because one one thing that's very important is that for, for all humans, connection is what we need. You know, whatever we're doing, connection is important. And so um, us just being close to our, our kids and, and to other adults um, has this calming effect automatically. And so um, that, that can be just sitting together with somebody can be like meditation itself, even if you're not doing a traditional practice. Yeah, yeah. And I think well children as well, they don't have the mind of an adult that's dwelling on no. yeah. tomorrow, the day after that. <laughs> exactly. And actually you might get a lot from your children as well, which is the thing. So you can kind of see that, you know, they can let things go and um, you know, the playful side of them um is is something that we can learn from, especially for adults who may be and if we went back to the mother wound, if they kind of um have a mother wound or maybe they've gone through trauma um or they have an emotionally immature parent and um, playing is something that can be quite difficult for them as an adult so actually reconnecting with play when you have children and um, can be a wonderful way for everybody to learn yeah reconnect back to your yeah the child in you still wants to play yeah <laughs> exactly, exactly so your inner child exactly your true self yeah yeah just on that i just want to touch on sleep yeah. How important is it to have a routine for sleeping? Because yeah. I, I find for me, some days I'm going to bed a certain time, other days another time. And that's obviously not really balancing your body. If you're waking up at the same time, but sleeping different times. Yeah, I think first of all, kind of notice, just keep an eye on what your sleep is like. And when, when you feel good, what does your sleep look like? And when you don't feel good, what does your sleep look like? And you can take a note. So if you're already journaling, that can be a good start. Like our bodies work. And um, so we have sort of like ups and downs in our energy levels throughout the day. And you can even kind of record those. So it's not that you have to be going to bed really early. It's just that you go to bed at a point where your body is naturally sleepy, because if you don't go to bed when you're let's say if you're feeling kind of wired um, going to bed like it's unlikely that you're going to fall to sleep straight away so sort of setting yourself up for success because it can be really stressful if you get into bed and you're not sleepy and you really want to sleep and you know you have to sleep um, that's going to get you into a cycle of stress and, and you'll end up kind of you know um, maybe being like uh, wakeful or just not having a good quality of sleep yeah. Um, so that's that's really, really important. And it's it's not, again, the shoulds of I should be sleeping nine hours a day. I should be this. And, um, you know, there's there's some, um, you know, most of us are not able to do what the textbooks say in terms of ideal sleep. So it's just kind of doing what you can do. Um, and even things like um, looking at your day and if you have room and you can, if you have the ability to take a nap take a nap you know and um, there yeah. is a lot of people do that oh shouldn't be taking naps now that's that i'm too lazy now if i do that but actually if that gives you a boost of energy and helps you do things that normally you couldn't do without the nap go for it um and so don't compare yourself with other people look at so your own um your own cycles and uh, because some people are naturally early birds and some people are not and trying to be an early bird when you're not um you know is is not going to set yourself up for success so sometimes you have to get up for work at a certain time you've no choice about that um but and um, maybe then just kind of look at what you can do in the day then if you're tired earlier on to give yourself a boost um and it could be like that um kind of just taking a few minutes to meditate or doing something that naturally gets your energy levels up again yeah so if, if you're having trouble sleeping maybe that's a good time to practice your meditation, calm, calm the mind. 
come to mind. Exactly, exactly. So like the research shows that's it, like kind of, you know, the screen should be off and um, lights should be lower. If you do, if you do have kind of screens, so I've got like a blue tint of my glasses which they tell me um helps a little bit but just do do all of those things to sort of set it up that you're not having lots of stimulation um and set yourself up for success and if if you're if you're not going to sleep just try to take the pressure off because if you're stressing about sleep you're not going to sleep yeah you, you mentioned the phones there i think what we failed to note is that like we mobile phones it's designed to keep you on it so Absolutely. if you go to, if you yeah. go to bed on it you could spend another hour there strolling Exactly. So even the light, you know, kind of it's 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 a really bright screen. And so um, you can turn, you know, your phone if you do have to have your phone, turn it into like night mode. Ideally, yeah. you would have your phone and um, you could even sometimes listen to things. So I find listening to audio books very helpful or you could listen to this podcast. And yeah, pop you it can. In. Exactly. And just don't be looking at your phone and, you know, just kind of close your eyes. You, you'll find you're going to nod off much quickly than if there's a constant light in your eyes. And that's just natural. We wake with the sun. We get sleepier when it's dark. And so it's just all of this artificial light does have an impact on us because we just don't know what time it is. It confuses the body. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super. There's um, a lot of information here. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of information here. So if you're listening again, we mentioned have an open mind when you're listening if anything resonates with you probably a good thing and if it doesn't resonate with you that's okay also i just have one last question two last questions that's off the topic that's off the topic (laughs) (laughs) so first of all i just want to say thank you thank you it's been great it's been great chatting with you and i've learned so much today so i I will probably (laughs) listen back and learn more I like to repeat listening, <laughs> sorry. Repeat listening helps me learn. I just have two other questions off the topic altogether. Yeah. So the first one is, what does well-being mean to you? What does well-being mean to me? Yeah. I think well-being to me is um, going at my own pace, I think. So um, free of um, what other people think I should be doing and, and really just focusing on my own goals and my own family and, and just living life like to to my true self and what I want that to look like and so I think for other people like that it looks differently for me um I love to just nourish myself and have a daily yoga practice make sure I'm reading um lots of nice books um and just yeah just kind of have a, a nice pace of life and get out to nature regularly if I don't have those things I know for me that sends me off and my sense of well-being goes and the last question then is, what are you proud of? What am I proud of? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I suppose the first thing that comes to mind is I'm really proud of of my children. And um, I think that's probably my, if I could pick an achievement and if I was looking back um, in life, I would say my kids, you know, when I look at them, they just bring me so much joy. And that's 100 percent what's important to me so everything else you know fades when I think of that so um that's it for for me happiness is just being with them and and making sure that I can be the best mother to them yeah great great you, you mentioned your website earlier on what's the website again sorry so it's calmwithkatrina.com so Calm with Katrina. With a K, so I have to be a little bit different <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's always one and you mentioned 
you have some painting there as well from your website, don't you? I do. Um, actually, all the links to everything that I do is on my website. So you can find it all there. Um, and definitely I have lots of um, recommendations for books and resources in relation to guided meditations and things like that. So if anything you heard me speak about today um, interested, you can have a look. And, and my focus is on providing all of this information for free. So any of the guided meditations and things like that are also free. Um, so that's that's something that's really important to me that everything mental health related should be accessible for everybody yeah yeah no that's that's great work that was my last yeah that was my last two questions thanks Amelia (laughs) I really appreciate you having me on James um it was lovely thank you thank you I didn't I don't know what all the stress was about If you enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a quick review on my Facebook page, Don't Be Afraid to Talk, or DM me on Instagram. The show notes will include all of the relevant links from today's episode. If you haven't already, please download, leave a rating, and share with your friends. You might just reach that person who needs to hear this message. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. I am James Lumumba, signing off with gratitude.